I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special uh, edition of Lore Watch. You're going to get a double dose this week. Uh, we have a very, very special guest, and I'm going to let him introduce himself because I think it's a super surprise, and I think it's better to hear it in his own voice. Hey, everybody. Uh, I'm Steve Denuser. I'm the lead narrative designer on World of Warcraft. Steve's the one that gets to listen to all of our weird uh, tinfoil hatty stuff and laugh as we are way off base, so... Uh, it is an honor to have you on the show with us. Thank you very, very much for taking the time today. We know that you are all very busy with everything that's going on today. No, it is awesome to be here. Uh, big fan of uh, the work you folks do. And so super excited. Let's well, we're, get to it. We're definitely a big fan of yours as well. Um, I guess I'll kick it over to Matt first. Matt, is there any pressing questions that you think we can actually get Steve to answer that aren't going to break any sort of like NDA requirements? All right, I'm fighting George to hit the push to talk button that currently doesn't work. <laughs> um, so uh, we're we're now having seen a little bit of of the uh, the con. We're we're now clear that you know since the Anduin story didn't end up going anywhere, we're moving in this new My Little Pony direction. I'm really excited about it. Now, seriously, I know you can't tell us too much about what we're going to see, but you've been getting to work. This is a story that you guys have been setting up since. Going, you can go back a long way here. We could, we could probably mm -hmm. safely say some of this is from Warlords of Draenor, even. Mm -hmm. um, since you guys have to tell storytelling the way you do, you have to tell stuff in basically you, you drop a big patch and then people devour it and then yeah, they wait. How do you feel that affects how you guys roll out this kind of stuff? How, how do you like? How do you get your story beats lined up? How have you been preparing for this moment? Yeah, it's it's certainly uh, you know it's a great medium to work in, um, but it, it it poses challenges like anything else, um, any other form of storytelling. Um, so it has its own uh, you know benefits and and things that can be challenges. Um, but for like this long term storytelling, we definitely do take that long view 
and we we plan things out in advance. And uh, you know, we've learned a lot over the years in terms of uh, pacing and how things work well, and some things that didn't work as well. Uh, and we try to keep refining that. And so, when it came to Shadowlands, we knew we had the story that we wanted to tell. That um, certainly, there's you know, it's a it's a big afterlife, right? Like there's there's all kinds of realms there, and every realm has its own stories. And we're introducing tons of great new characters. But we also knew that this um, this story that is kind of this this trifecta of Anduin and Sylvanas, the Jailer, how their fates intertwine, the choices that uh, have been made over the years. We knew that was gonna be a pivotal piece of the story. And so uh, we've we've gone to, to, uh, to great lengths to kind of plan and map that out. We have, um, story beats you know that are that that we've hit so far and that where we're intending to go and we we knew that we wanted that initial shadowlands story uh that the kind of 90 launch story to end on something of a cliffhanger of sylvana standing there with uh the sword kingsborn kind of pointing uh at anduin and him saying now you've got to make your choice and uh we wanted to leave it there but not for too long so uh blizzcon line is a great chance for us to uh to show you uh, you know the the what comes next after that and um so it was it worked out really well for us we think i hope everyone's really excited by that i know it won't be uh without its uh without people getting a bit worried about anduin but that's perfectly natural uh but we're we're super excited. The story has a has a long way to go, and uh, it's got some cool cool things coming, which of course I won't reveal right now. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, so with, I think this has been one of the most polarizing stories, at least with the fan base that I've seen in quite a little bit, uh, especially with Anduin and Sylvanas and different parts of the fandom latching on to, to different aspects of it. Has that proven to be difficult with looking at how people are reacting to it and knowing what you have planned? Or is it something where the reactions are kind of what you expected? Well, it's it's you know we're well aware of of the the many different perspectives people have on Sylvanas as a character. People, there's people who have loved her for a very long time and have have looked for the the good, the heroic parts of her. And clearly, she's had those. Like she's uh, she's a master strategist. She's she died for her people, um, but then she's also done terrible things. And so there's there's a whole other group of people who think she should pay for what she's done. And so we're we're well aware of that. Um, Some of us are in both camps. <laughs> yeah, and that's then that's fine. You know, hopefully that's. Uh, that's the mark of a really interesting character is that there is a lot of, uh, you know, you can, you can make a case either way and both cases are, are perfectly valid. So, you know, that, that again, that's such a treat to work with characters like that, because if, if characters are only one thing, you know, you can tell some cool stories with them, but the more multifaceted, the more nuance there is to someone, uh, the longer lasting their impact, I think. And so Sylvanas is definitely one of those characters uh, that is that for us. So, you know, we, we didn't approach any of this story uh, of hers or Anduin's uh, lightly. We were very, we've been very thoughtful. We, I, I can't tell you the number of hours that I've spent in conversations with my, with my fellow developers, with folks like uh, Taryn Gregory, Christy Golden. We were joined at the hip and we meet and talk about all this stuff. All the stuff you saw in that cinematic was 
really a labor of love of us going back and forth and challenging one another and really like trying to to whittle down to the core of the storyline that we're trying to tell there. So, um, you know, whether, you know, certainly we can't tell a story that pleases everybody, but hopefully there's something in there that you can appreciate um, those nuances, those little looks that Sylvanas gives when, you, you know, you can, it, it's uh, thanks to the great work that Taryn and his team do, you can see the look in her eyes and know that she's not just twirling her mustache at Anduin, that this is something that means a lot to her. And uh, now the fact that we know what she's done, that she's gone through with this uh, domination of Anduin, now we get to see how that affects not only him, but it will affect her as well. All right. Um, I guess I get to go next then. You, you have a huge canvas here, not just because you've got you're in the Shadowlands, you can pull in characters who've been dead for years, you can pr pretty much do anything you want to do. Um, and I know you can't tell me stuff, you know, you can't, you can't give me a lot of specifics, but has there been any character that you weren't expecting to use that you ended up using that you find has changed or broadened out the story in some way that has made it different than you expected? Hmm. That's interesting. You know, we, we spent so much time thinking about it because like you said, there, there were so many opportunities here and so many uh, ways we could have gone. And, uh, you know, we didn't want Shadowlands to just be this nostalgia trip where you kind of just like, oh, what's the greatest hits? And, oh, I get to spend five minutes with that character. And, oh, it's so fun to spend. We wanted to pick ones that, that yeah. would be meaningful. And, and there's characters that you wouldn't want to use because you pretty much had done all you felt like you needed to do with them or something like that. That's the thing. Like, uh, you know, there's plenty that it would have been great fun to revisit in some way. But, you know, we, we also asked ourselves, well, would that just be self-serving? You know, would, that, would we be spending time that would be better spent um, somewhere else? And so that's, that's why we went uh, in some of those cases with characters like Draka. That was someone who with, with so much potential to be awesome. And it had only been hinted at in, in ways that, you know, that a lot of our fans... You know, it was hard for them to pick up on that because it was in a book or, you know, the alternate Draenor and stuff like that. So that gave us a chance to really uh, showcase some of these uh, these characters. And I'm uh, really grateful that fans have, have responded so well to to people like Draka. And it's great to see Uther there again. As you saw, he made a little uh, appearance in the Chains of Domination cinematic uh, and so that's another storyline that we'll get to delve into and yeah. continue. And since you had talked stuff. about, since you mentioned it with uh, the what your team can actually do, uh, the look that he gives Anduin mm -hmm. and the moment there, that was actually one oh, of the things that so you're getting good. to see is visual acting on these cinematics. That's actually way beyond. I think I've said before, uh, back in, in Legion, I think I said that the cinematics had gotten to the point the, the rendered cinematics, not even just mm -hmm. the amazing, you've always done amazing, you know, fully CGI cinematics, but the in-game rendered cinematics have really broadened out what you can do storytelling wise that you can cut in and you can still show the characters as they look when we're in the game, doing things, having their moments. I think, although I'm never going to forget seeing Agrimar come down and my character standing mm -hmm. there going, Oh, hi. Yeah. But I think, this one in this expansion you've done the most in terms of pure emotional storytelling in that way that's not just somebody telling me what they feel but actually showing it it's actually been it's been kind of amazing i don't want to i want to let joe ask a question but i just want to throw out is there 
is there any moment in particular that you guys have done that you've gotten an unusual fan reaction to? Like you weren't expecting people to pick, like, I'll just use one thing that the storytelling in Arden Wields where the little squirrel sits on my head for an entire quest oh, is my, one of my favorite moments. <laughs> uh, and it's like, I mean, I'm in the land of the dead and I have a squirrel riding on my head. Why is this so affecting? Why do I care about this squirrel and his little friends that you managed to get me to care about these little, these, these characters that aren't there very long, mm-hmm. you know, and you, and you introduce them and you use them to fill out the world. So is there anybody yeah. that you, you brought in that you've filled out the world with that you were surprised? Like, this decimator Olga really popular because I wanted it to be. <laughs> yeah, people love things like that, and and you know I uh, that's really the secret sauce of our team because that's really the stuff that uh, you know we have so many wonderful designers and and uh, and artists and and folks who put their passion into this game. And so like, you know, the big cinematics and stuff, they get lots of attention and they get lots of love and deservedly so. But the secret sauce of WoW is really those little moments of unexpected joy and wonder and just something that makes you smile you know, a little, little squirrel on your shoulder, finding Pepe in a tree, like, and those are the things that we don't plan for. We just kind of let our team go wild in the world. And, you know, we Shadowlands is a big story with a lot of, you know, kind of complex themes. And there's a lot of stuff to think about there. But we also want those moments of charm and wonder. And that's where you know, our, our, our team really gets to shine. And so there's lots of those little things tucked away, whether it's, uh, you know, and uh, just a little cameo from an NPC like the decimator, uh, or if it's again, just some little interactions that make you chuckle. That's the stuff that really keeps wow special. I think you, you might want to bring so Olga's husband in at some point. I think <laughs> Olga's husband could be an interesting character to see that. Could be, could be. If we ever knew his name. <laughs> who knows who some things can never be known matt come on uh one of the things i think is really interesting about this expansion over some of the other things that i, I think have happened in the past is shadowlands feels uh surprisingly free of some of the weight of azeroth uh, a lot of the places we've gone in the past have had sort of like this this history that defines what these places can be uh in shadowlands when you're creating these realms it it I'm kind of curious how freeing it was when developing the stories for them with saying we're not tethered. Um, and and along that same vein, because world building is one of those things that I find absolutely fascinating. When doing that, did any of the zones start to take on a, a life in the story that you didn't expect or become a standout to you in the creative process? Yeah, certainly, you know, the ability to uh, have an expansion like Shadowlands that was a blank slate. You know, they're they're sure we've had mentions, sure we've dipped our toe in, sure we knew that this was, you know, the afterlives. But uh, to a large extent, it was wide open territory for us to define and to decide what what kind of place it would be, what kind of stories we wanted to tell there. And uh, that sort of challenge is both incredibly exciting and it can be scary for folks too because we deal so much in you know, Azeroth itself has so much history and so much familiarity. There's a comfort to kind of wrapping yourself in that blanket and knowing like, yeah, I'm going to tell the story of Kultiris or Zandalar. And yeah, you know, I'm going to places that people don't know about, but everything you see there 
strikes some familiarity to you, you know, like you, you, Kulturis is awesome and Boralus and stuff is sprawling, but like, it feels like, oh yeah, this is what it, it should be. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally get it. You're in there for five minutes or you're, you know, you're, you're, you're running through Zandalar and you just get it. Um, so Shadowlands face like, well, you know, how do we introduce this? How do we tell this story? And so we put a lot of thought into uh, like here, you know, all these concepts that we needed to get across just so you understood what was going on. And then how are we telling these local stories? Because really those those zone by zone stories are the hallmark of, of wow, you know, immersing yourself in a place and the people and the conflicts they're facing and the hardships and how you're helping them overcome it. That's part and parcel of what World of Warcraft is. And, and certainly, you know, there was some unknown there, like, are people gonna get it? Are they gonna understand? You know, is this gonna feel too different from what they've seen before? And so I was, I was personally very just heartened by, you know, even the first streams that were going up as people were streaming beta and stuff like that, like just, they weren't treating it as this different, wildly different place. It was just Azeroth, but a different way of seeing it, you know, a different a different facet mm-hmm. of, of the existence that was familiar to them. So uh, in that respect, um, it, it, it was what we hoped for. Um, and it was very gratifying that, uh, that it seemed to work out. And again, that's totally because of the passion and dedication of the an, entire team that loves this game so much and loves this world. Um, if, if anything, uh, you know, the things that, that surprised me, it's always, again, those little moments of, of delight that somebody uh, put in there that, that uh, that people glom onto the uh, certainly Ardenweald is full of things that people have uh, just just really developed fondness for. But even in places like Maldraxxus, things you know like uh, uh, like Merileth uh, has become such a, a, a fan favorite as well. So even in a place that can be as as uh, you know brutal and gladiatorial as Maldraxxus has those same little bits of charm and 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 again just uh, kudos to the team for making that possible. Yeah, that's actually wants to me. I want to bring that to something. You guys have done this, this expansion, whatever people's fa- feelings on it. I think it's one of the better ones you've ever done. And you did it under an amazingly difficult, I mean, Sorry, global pandemic, yeah. yes, staying home, yeah. the whole nine yards. And you had to delay the, the launch because of that. Do you feel like that was a right call story-wise? Like you guys got everything done, you, everything's worked out the way you're happy with what you got here? Like, cause I think you should be, but I want to know what you guys feel. Uh, yeah, uh, the, t- the team is super proud of this and it does take on some special significance because of the adversities that we went through. Like uh, as, as all of us know, none of this was easy on anybody. Um, you know, there's, there's, uh, no one who can just say, oh yeah, that, that pandemic hasn't really uh, affected me that much. Like it's touched all of us in, in many different ways. And when, you're, when your job is about creativity and bringing you know, excitement to you know, the team and to the, the audience that, that loves this world so much, like that's a, you know, that's, that's a pressure of its own under these circumstances. So um, again, like it's, it's awesome that we had the support from our leadership to be able to say, you know, we want this to be awesome and it's just going to take a little longer than, uh, than we initially thought it would. And from top to bottom, we had that support. And the number one thing for us is that, you know, however, whatever the circumstances we're facing, that when we deliver something, an expansion to, to this game that we love, 
that it represents the quality and the heart that we intend to put into it. So absolutely, it was the right decision. Uh, we never want to make people have to wait longer than they want to for, for content, but we want it to be the awesomest thing it can be. And that takes time sometimes, especially under these circumstances. I mean, obviously, these things mirror the world that they're made in. And I mean, going back, like I said, since this is long form storytelling, since you're going to be working on something for years, um, you might come out with like, hey, let's do an expansion that's all about demons invading. And then 2016 happens mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, and the next expansion where there's a pointless war being fought over resources and we're all kind of unhappy about it, but we have to fight it. And meanwhile, the old gods and then, you know, the past four years are happening while that story is unfolding. It, does it ever feel like you guys have got some kind of strange prophecy ball here that you're working on <laughs> that you like predicting things? Well, I hope not. I hope it's, I hope the secret <laughs> isn't that, uh, that world of Warcraft is, uh, somehow prescient and it's, it's, uh, predicting things. Um, no, like, you know, yeah, the world is reflected in our, in our data, day, day to day lives, our day to day work. There's no way that it isn't, but you know, we the, the great thing about working on this game, though, is that it's also aspirational so that no matter what we're facing in life, uh, Azeroth is a place that we can be, sorry if this is going to sound corny, but I mean it, like our better selves, like our best selves can go into this world and we can see ourselves in a way that it can be hard to sometimes in life. And uh that's that's one of the most gratifying things as I've met players over the years of 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 MMOs that I've worked on. It's that so many of them are grateful for this. I won't call it escape, uh, even though, you know, you can think of it as an escape from reality, but it's really like just being able to engage in kind of an ideal place where you can, you know, stand beside people from all over the world and just do these wonderful, fun things and just you know, get, get fancy armor and, and look cool and have yeah. mounts and pets and yeah. all of that stuff. But uh, it's just a very enriching part of people's lives. And, yeah. My wife uh, often says, you know, in, in, when I'm down in the world in the game, I can go do something. Like if yeah. I have a problem, I can do something. I don't have to just sit here and take it. So yeah, there is that. Yeah. That's uh, you know, I don't, I don't have any illusions that we're uh, curing cancer or, you know, like frontline workers who've been so amazing through this pandemic, like they're the, they're the true heroes, but, but I do strongly feel that games like this, uh, these worlds that, uh, our team and many other teams around the world make, uh, they have value and that they have substance and that they can bring good things to the world. And, you know, that's, that's where I take my pride. That's, you know, the, one of the things that keeps me going, no matter what we're facing in the world is I know that we're bringing some, some light and some hope to people. And, uh, even in a small way, that feels really good. I, I think it's also especially really nice to point out like these types of games. Yeah, they have value. And I, I, I call it reality augmentation, just like you have that enrichment where we can do things together and uncover things together. Uh, and it's sort of like that, that quest for, uh, cooperative experience sort of like just kind of happens and it fits so naturally here. Uh, and it's also one of those things where I think you have built in some pretty big moments in the story beats that, that sort of help facilitate that a lot too. Uh, they feel very grand. They feel very uh, important, especially when you're doing them with friends or, or you, you feel you don't feel alone in those moments, even when you're playing them alone. So uh, first, I, I mean, I want to say thank you for that with the, the development of the story in that regard, because you'd never feel like you're truly alone, uh, which is really, really interesting, especially for anybody who 
plays these games solo uh, between the companions, the NPCs you interact with, the number of NPCs you interact with at a, a very close level. Phenomenal work as far as that goes. Um, the other thing that I was going to point out or ask about is over the last several years, it seems like there's been a very uh, concerted effort to have one narrative voice. Um, is that accurate? Has there been something that, that as a group, as a, a company, you've sat down and said, you know, questing and storytelling and lore and everything is going to start, you know, actually interacting with each other. Cause for a while there, it felt like there was a little bit of a disconnect uh, earlier on in, in WoW's uh, evolution. And over the last several expansions, it's definitely seemed like you've kind of got one point you're all working towards. Well, you know, I, I've been on the team only for, well, I guess it's about six years now. And so I can't speak to, you know, how things uh, went before, but, you know, it, like with any medium, uh, people's, you know, hopefully where our skills are evolving and that we're getting better at doing some of these things and that we're learning lessons from what been, went before. And, you know, even if you look at those first expansions, Burning Crusade, Wrath of the Lich King, Cataclysm, like they were very much self-contained stories and they were awesome for, you know, for, for immersing yourself in that. And then everything wrapped up and then you moved on to the next thing and, and the pattern uh, shifted as I think entertainment in general has moved towards a more, um, you know, kind of a longer form storytelling that our expansion started taking that on as well. And, and um, that's a, a, a tradition we've continued to evolve. And certainly Shadowlands, as you've pointed out, builds on threads and plots and, and characters that we've been working with over the last several expansions that we're building to these things. Um, so, uh, you know, and hopefully, hopefully it does feel more connected. We've, we spent a lot of time in Shadowlands and, um, you know, even in, in updates like uh, uh, Visions of Nazoth, we tried to really make the story feel like it was embedded in the systems that you were engaging with. You know, things like the, the horrific visions and the corrupted gear, they all work together to tell the story of Nazoth's influence in the world. And we tried to do that in, in Shadowlands as well with the Soulbinds and the legendaries, you know, interacting with the Runecarver, all, like, all that kind of stuff. So. Um, and that's that's definitely something we plan to continue. And it 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 just you know it it is uh, it takes effort to be vigilant and to to keep encouraging. But we've got such a, a wonderful team that really does want to infuse story into everything. I always say that you know it doesn't matter what your job is on the team. Everyone's a storyteller. And if we do that, and if we're conscious about it, and we try really hard, then that story will just get it'll just feel natural to you as you're playing the game. It'll just feel like the story is embedded everywhere around you. And, and that's the ultimate goal. And we keep trying to get better at doing that. All right. That, that's a good answer. I, I love you saying that. Uh, however, since we've only got a few minutes left, uh, just between you, me, Josh, Joe, and the many people who will listen to this mm. recording. So not a lot of people. <laughs> um, Rune Carver is totally the premise, right? I'm sorry, who? No, I didn't think so. Maldraxxus <laughs> is a giant corpse. It's a dead person. We're going to find out who that person was, right? Big dead guy. A, a, a big dead. I'm digging up bones and there's big hairs uh, growing out of it. Come on, man. Well, you know, it. well, it is part of the story of yes. Maldraxxus that the realm itself and the other realms of the Shadowlands, for that matter, kind of manifest what they need to do the job that that is put to them. And so in Maldraxxus, you've got this uh, immortal army that's supposed to be the best of the best. And so the land itself gives them what they need in order to create their 
uh, you know, necropolises and their 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 fortresses and all of that kind of their stuff. Rivers so, of goo that they have. Yeah, for no reason. <laughs> it's it's all there for a reason. Okay, I know, but I I did want to at least ask a few of these questions just because if I don't ask them, people can be like, "Why didn't he ask about that?" So, oh yeah, we'll we'll, we'll hear about it later. I'm sure. Yeah, um, <laughs> I do want to talk real fast about the rune carver though. Mm-hmm. When you you came up with the idea of using that, because you just talked before about how corrupted gear helps tell the story, mm-hmm. the whole idea of the rune carver's memories having been ripped out of him, mm-hmm. and using that not just as a power element, like you get that to make your legendaries, you you're essentially infusing your legendaries with the memories of the rune carver. You're making his memories into weapons and armor in this case because we haven't actually we're not making weapons at the moment but, but you know you're what I'm helping saying. him too matt you're bringing back those memories to him to I'm give not, him yeah. a little piece of himself but so that, come that on it's not that selfish i'm not <laughs> just saying it's selfish it is selfish but whatever but what it gets me is you get a chance you can use this to tell us about him mm-hmm. through our gameplay like you go when you do a dungeon you get the piece you bring it back at least in one case you get to see an interaction between the jailer and the rune carver Mm-hmm. through these memories you you get hmm. to see that character in action and that's the kind of thing i'm I'm, at. I'm curious as to like do you ever sit down and just like you have to work with the people who do you know the design of the game to come up with okay how are we going to mechanically pre- represent this story you use corruption as an example how did you guys decide to use corruption to make that a storytelling element how did you work together to get that done well, it, it, it really can come up in a variety of different ways. Like in the case of uh, Corrupted Year, I think it was one of the itemization folks who was like pitching that as, as oh, wouldn't it be cool if we did this? And then, uh, you know, it, we're like, yeah, let's, what if we did that then? And, and it's, it's like, it, you know, you always hear about us uh, being so iterative and that's true. And, and that's, we iterate on ideas. And so one person comes up with the core of something and then five other people find ways to plus that up. And and we're always trying to find the best versions of that thing. So in the case of um, of the Rune Carver and the legendaries, um, I don't remember all the details. I'm sure that we, we knew that we wanted to do legendaries. And we as we were just talking, getting together, having meetings, talking about like, what would be a great way to to tie that into the world and into the characters. I think we, you know, we, we had this character that we wanted, um, you know, that was going to be a part of the story and it just kind of naturally started dovetailing and we found those connections. And uh, so it, it really just amounts to people who all want to tell the best story, whether it's through quests or cutscenes or systems, and then just getting us, uh, you know, virtually in a room together in the case of, uh, of, mm-hmm. of Shadowlands development. But really, we, we just have so much energy and so much passion when we can just vibe off one another and, and, and help one another that way. All right. Uh, Joe, you got anything else? Uh, I mean, there's so many things I could ask, but I don't think. Yeah, I want to ask about Toronto. Do you think? Yeah, you think you'll tell us about Toronto if I ask about Toronto? Uh, I'm assuming, and I'm hopeful that we have more coming up with her. Yes, please, please. I I can tell you that yes, there is uh, the Toronto story is not done, and uh, you know we again that's one of those characters that um, that endured a lot in Battle for Azeroth, and we've shown her, uh, you know, leaping into the maw. Uh, we've, if you've played the Ardenweald campaign, you've seen um, that she's on the hunt for Sylvanas. And, uh, you know, I don't want to give any spoilers, but um, Taronda's got some great moments coming up. But, you know, she's facing danger too. That power that she took on 
you know, in the name of claiming vengeance for her people, uh, you, we've seen examples in the game of how that power has a terrible cost. And you've met other night warriors who similarly were given that power and you know that they did not meet uh, a happy end. So um, we care a lot about Tyrande. So it, it, you know, hopefully that we can help her uh, come to terms, not only with this uh, power that she has and, and how to deal with that, but also how can she sate this, uh, this thirst for vengeance that is consuming her in, in ways just like the, the power of the Night Warrior is. Uh, Matt, any last questions? No, I think we're done. I, mean, I don't want to. I basically would be just going like a chipmunk asking questions and we have to stop at some point. <laughs> Uh, but I think that butts us up right to our time. Uh, Steve, I want to thank you very, very much for taking the time to talk with us today and, uh, you know, dealing with some of our weird weirdness as uh, we move through this. <laughs> well, I, I want to thank you. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of other uh, podcasters and, and uh, content creators out there, too. But, like, I always appreciate the thoughtfulness that you and your listeners, when they send in questions, um, it's it's really wonderful. And, again, it's you know, we, we work on these things so far in advance and uh, when they come out, you never know for sure what the reactions will be. Will things people pick up on the things that you would hope they would, or will they, what new things will they discover that you didn't realize would be there. And it's just so gratifying to listen to shows like yours that help us, um, you know, realize what's connecting with our audience and it helps our story going forward. So thank you guys. Well. Well, you're very welcome for that. And thank you. <laughs> All right. Let's do you, this again sometime. Yeah. Now you get to be, next time we do it, you get to be like the WandaVision writers watching people <laughs> drop, you know, because we'll, we'll give you all of our crazy fan theories. We, we didn't this time. They're there. I, I'm sitting there I, going, oh, I, I forgot to ask about this. Well, good. It'll give, us a, it'll give us a chance to chat down the road. Indeed. I'm looking forward to future chats. Uh, but all thank right. you very much. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.